Hey, this is Noah Fritchie, and I'm the lead pastor of Real Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. And so the real question today is, and here's what we're going to answer. Um, if you're watching with us, take notes. Uh, there's some notes for you guys on your uh, chairs this morning. But really what we're going to answer today is this question, how in the world do you build that hope? Like when life robs you of hope, how are you going to build that hope? How do you, how, 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 how do you get some more hope in your life? You know, some people think that hope uh, is just like the wind, like, like it just comes and goes. Like I, one, one, some mornings I feel hopeful, other mornings I don't. Uh, some, some, mornings, uh, some mornings it's there, some days it's there, some days it's not. Some people also think that hope is a personality trait. And uh, I've thought this from time to time myself, because I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but do you know anyone in your life that is just like, they're just a morning person? You know, like they wake up in the morning and they're just got a smile on their face. They're just excited to get, get to the day. Like, you, you know some people like that. If you know somebody like that and you're like me, you think that they're just absolutely crazy. <laughs> like, how can you wake up and be that happy in the morning? Like, they already got their cup of coffee. They've been with Jesus already. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> and you're just fighting to get out of bed every morning. I, I, I feel it. I feel it. My mom is that type. She's a morning person. She gets up, gets her coffee. She's ready to go in the morning. She called me in the morning, ready to, ready to rock and roll. And so I, I am not that way. Uh, but, but, but some people think that that's, that's, that's hope. You know, that, that's the personality trait that people of, of hope have. But I'm here to tell you that, that that is not necessarily the definition of hope. Hope is not just for those type of people. Hope is not like the wind. In fact, hope is for all of us. God has designed us so that each and every one of us would have hope. And really, if you hear nothing else that I talk about today, here's what I want you to hear is that hope is a choice. You have to choose hope. It's a daily choice. It's a, it's a decision that we make. There's choices uh, that you can make to actively build your hope. And so what I'm going to do today in, uh, for the rest of our time together, I just want to give you three different ways. Uh, that you, really three different choices, in fact, that you can build, that you can do to help build your hope. You got it? You got it online? I hope you got it. Here we go. Three different choices uh, to build your hopes. Right before we get into this first point, uh, I, let, let me just tell you this. I just want to uh, just take a pause on this message really quick uh, because I don't want you to go into this message with the wrong attitude Here, because I want to talk about some really great things today. I'm going to talk a lot about uh, some, some really hopeful things today. Um, but here, here's what I'm not telling you. All throughout this message, I'm not telling you that there won't be tough days in your life, because there will be tough days. In fact, Jesus says this. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say you might have trouble. He said, you will have trouble. So it's a guarantee that you're going to have trouble in your life, and, and unfortunately, that's just how life is. We live in a sinful, fallen world, and so, and so life, life can't just be uh, you can't just be on the mountaintop all the time, but because we live in this sinful, fallen world, um, it, they're, they're, and there's trouble in this life, you've got to know that you're going to have some bad days. But what I'm going to tell you today is that when you have those bad days, when, 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 those, when, when those hopeless days come, I'm here to tell you that you can choose hope in the middle of it. You have the opportunity to choose hope. So if you're taking notes today, Here's my first point. I'd love for you to write this down. Point number one is this, is that you need to choose action 
over inaction. Action over inaction. Can I tell you that the hurts of life, the, the discouragement of life, the anxiety, the depression, the disappointment in life, can I tell you all those different things, they seek to sideline you. What they want to do is they, they, they want to get you to stop moving forward. Every, every negative thing in your life is just trying to get you to stop moving forward. But can I tell you that when you look and when you study a relationship with God, all throughout Scripture, you see a relationship with, uh, with God is characterized as a, a walk with God. In fact, has anyone ever been told or asked you, how is your walk with God? I may, uh, maybe you've been asked that question before. Right? How, how is your walk with Christ? How's your walk with God? Well, I, I think that's a, a great uh, it's a great way of describing a relationship with Jesus because when you walk with Jesus, you're always moving forward. A walk is always moving forward. In fact, there's an old song uh, that talks about he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. So it, it, the, the, all throughout scripture, we see that idea that as you journey in a relationship with God, it's a walk. You're walking, you're, you're moving forward. That's what it is to have a relationship with Christ. In fact, when Jesus calls his disciples, he says this, he says, come follow me. He, he, he doesn't tell them to go park somewhere or come stay with me. He says, no, you're, you're following me. Essentially, he's saying we're going to walk together. We're going to journey together. We're, we're, we're going to be in this together. And so that's what not, not only a relationship with Christ is, but if you've ever had a, a good, healthy relationship in your life with maybe one of your friends or your spouse, you know that, that if that relationship stays still you're, and, and it doesn't go anywhere, you're probably having some issues. But a relationship, any of the relationships that we have in life, they're a walk where we're walking together, we're learning together, we're growing together. That's what a relationship is. It's active and it's moving forward. And so in the Old Testament, uh, we also see this example of God giving us this idea of walking with him. In fact, in the Old Testament, God led his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he led them into the wilderness. And, he, and the Bible talks about how God physically led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. When you study this and, 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 and you read this a little bit, you, you, you begin to, uh, I, I read this this week about how Literally, rabbis back in the day would recall this story of a cloud by day and a fire by night. The rabbis would literally call that the legs of God. Think about that. It was like God was just walking with them. God was walking with them, showing the way to go. And that's how God leads you. He walks with you. He takes steps with you. And, 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 he's, and, and he's moving forward with you. But I know, like many of you, the hurt, the disappointment, the anxiety, the frustration, the uncertainty that we all face is real. And whenever we go through those different things, whenever we're walking through those different things, those type of things try to get us to stop. That hurt wants to stop you. That frustration wants to stop you. It wants to sideline you to where you're not moving forward anymore. It wants to stop you. The, the uncertainty wants to stop you so much that, that, that you'll begin to, to stop even dreaming about the future and that you, you begin to stop hoping for, for better things. You just want to, for some of us, it's that, 
But disappointment and that anxiety hurts us so much that we just want to park. And we just want to stop moving. I don't know if you've ever been there before where you just feel like you just can't move. You just, you're, you're not going anywhere. Where you feel like that maybe one of the symptoms would be you just can't get out of bed in the morning. For some of us, it's just that we're not dreaming dreams anymore. Others of us, it's like that, that, that we're, we can only think about the painful things that we're going through in life right now. And because we, we dwell on the painful things, and because we dwell on the uncertainty of life, it has parked us, it's stopped us in our tracks. I wonder if any of you have ever experienced that before. I wonder uh, if, if you've ever been to a place where you didn't know how, to, how you were going to get out of that situation. And I've been in those. I've been so deep in, in, this, in, in this situation, or maybe it was a relationship with someone, or, or maybe it was a, a, a business deal, or I don't, I don't know what it is for you, but where you've been uh, so, so deep in that situation, you just found yourself stuck. And really, that's what hurt wants to do in your life. That's what anxiety wants to do in your life, discouragement. It wants to stop you. Worry seeks to stop you. It wants you to quit. You know why? Because we have an enemy in life. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have a very real enemy. The devil is out to stop us. And can I tell you, for so many of us who might not struggle with a certain sin, the devil, if, 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 if we can't, if the devil, let me say it this way, if the devil can't sideline you with sin, he wants to sideline you with hurt. He'll use hurt and worry and grief and frustration, and he'll use uncertainty to try to sideline you. I'm, I'm just, I just, I'm preaching this from experience because I just, there's, there's so much that has just happened um, in the past several months uh, with, uh, obviously, in the world, and, um, and of course, it, it, it hurts us here at the church from time to time, too. And I got to say that I think the most painful thing that I, I see through all of this, and not just in our church, but in, in, in churches everywhere, and really in people everywhere, is that the, the, the problem with all of this uncertainty in life and this worry in life is that it'll, it'll begin to stop you from doing God's purpose for your life. Again, I tell you, I've seen so many people that have a call from God on their life to do something. To do, to do ministry, to do what, what, whatever it is, outreach, or, or I, I don't know what it is, but to, they, they have a call on their life to, to do these things, to do the will of God. They have a God-given purpose, but they've let worry tie them down. They've let uncertainty stop them from taking steps forward. I just got to say, church, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that that's happened. Because God has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. He wants you to be acting in that purpose. But the worry, the uncertainty, the frustration of the world not only has people in this church tied down, but I'm telling you, churches across the world. So I preach this. It's personal for me. I just want you to know that, that, that that's what hurt, loss, discouragement, uncertainty, they seek to sideline you. I have friends in other situations where 
maybe they're just not not too uh, they're just uncertain about the future like they know that they know that God has called them to do something but the problem is is that they 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 know, they know that they know that God has called them to do something, but they have no idea. They can't figure out how they're going to get there. And because they can't figure out how to get there, that uncertainty ties them down and literally paralyzes their life because they can't figure it out on their own. And so we have, these, we have this issue where, where, where this uncertainty wants to just tie you down and paralyze you from your future. It wants to take your hope away, and that's really what life does. But can I tell you that if you want to find hope, you have to do this. You have to choose action over inaction. No matter what you go through, you can't let it stop you. You can't, let, you can't push the pause button. You have to keep taking steps moving forward. Well, Pastor Noah, that's great. <laughs> I, love, I, I love that. I, I need to take my steps moving forward. But how in the world do I do that? How do I, how do I take steps moving forward? How do I walk that out? Well, can I tell you that when God leads you, I, be, I truly do believe this. I think that he leads you through one small step at a time. I think for, for, for so many of us, um, we, we miss the amazing things that God wants to do in our life because we're so focused on wanting him to do the spectacular things. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we miss the amazing things that God wants to do because we're often so focused on the spectacular thing that we want him to do. So we see the big picture. We see the end result. We want him to do this, but, but we, miss, we miss him because we're missing him in the small steps. And so often, I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning, that so often the spectacular is actually hidden in the ordinary things. It's those simple, small steps that God asks for you to do. And if you want to choose action over inaction, you need to do a couple of things. In fact, how, how in the world do I do that? How do I choose action over inaction, Pastor Noah? Well, here's a little sub-point for you. Here's what you need to do. You need to do the next right thing. In fact, just ask yourself this question. What is the next right choice that you can make? I know that you want to get to the big picture. Hey, we all want to get to the big picture. I want to get to the big end result. That's, that's where I want to go. That's where everyone wants to go. But we really have to pause. We really have to, we really have to take a step back and realize that God wants to do something amazing through some of the small things first. And many of those small things will end up being that spectacular thing. But we just got to be faithful in the little um, that we have. And so when you find yourself paralyzed by fear, maybe you find yourself today, you're just like, man, I, I just, I, I don't know what's going to happen to my family. I don't know what's going to happen to my job. I, I don't know what's, I, I'm worried about this, that, the other. When you find yourself paralyzed, I just want to challenge you today to take the next right step. What's the next right thing that you can do in your life? Well, Pastor Noah, how do I figure that out? How do I know? How do I know the next right thing to do? Well, I think for so many of us and for so many times, especially in my life, for me to just figure out the next right thing that God is asking me to do, I have to ask God, just go to him. Sometimes it's just, I just got to go to him in the quiet and just ask him, God, what do you have for me? What's the next thing that you want me to do? Can I just tell you that there's been so many times in my life that I've just, I've felt frustration. Man, I didn't know what was next. I, I, I just, I, I just, 
I, I, I sensed, I, I, there's been times in my life where I've just sensed that there's more to it. There's, there's something more that God has for me, but I had no idea how to get there. I sensed that m- many times in my life. Maybe you deal with that, maybe that, that situation. How in the world do you deal with that? Well, I really do think the secret of it is just getting quiet, taking some time, asking God, God, what's the right thing? What's the next right thing for me to do? I think one of the perfect ways for you to do this is through your devotional. Listen, we put these together. We're, uh, we're a week into this, but it's not too late to join us. You want to know the next right thing? Get with God the first 15 minutes in your day. Ask him, what's the next right step that I can take? I'd love for you to join us through these 21 days. It's just, we've, we've got this book, this resource for you. It's so great. Use it. It's online if you uh, they'll probably they'll throw up the number on your screen. Text the word hope, man. You can get one. Of, we'll, we'd love to send one of these to your uh, to your door. Um, you can get digital copy online. You guys have them here in service that you can pick up. We'd love for you to grab one of these uh, for 21 days of hope. But but really, I mean, just take 15 minutes a day and say, God, just guide my steps today. Help me to make the next right thing. Help me help me to do the next right. Thing. Can I tell you that as you continue to ask that question and as you continue to take those steps over and over and over again, pretty soon you'll look back and you'll be like, wow, God really did move in my life. Look how far God has brought me. In fact, I had that moment this week. Um, one of the cool things that I kind of accidentally started doing last year uh, was uh, essentially is journaling, but I call it a calendar because I'm a man, everybody. So <laughs> the, that's what I do. Uh, so I, I got this weekly calendar, and it, it, it finally lapsed like this month. And the coolest thing about this is that I was looking at it this week. I was writing down now in my calendar. I was writing down all the worries that I have this week, everything that's going on, all the struggles that I'm facing. And I, I was getting discouraged because I was looking at all the all the stuff that I need to do and whatnot. And I, I just happened to pull out my calendar in the middle of one of the work days, and I was like, man, I wonder what I was doing this time last year. Can I tell you that this Sunday last year, we had just announced, this was, this was the Sunday, everybody, that we announced that we bought this place. <laughs> I just was like, huh, man, does that put it in perspective? You know what all my worries were? My worries were how much her seat's going to cost, what's carpet going to cost, how are we going to get, how are we going to paint the walls, who's coming up for work days, all these different little things. I had all these little worries last year that I don't even think about. And guess what? That I probably take for granted today. And I learned just from that little experience, I was just, it, it just really put it in perspective for me. Man, it changed my perspective that day to see, I looked at, at that last Wednesday, and that on Wednesday we were filming the video to announce to you guys that we had bought this building. And I just stopped and said, I, I, I was sitting in my office just right outside these doors, and I was just like, wow, God, the worries that I have today, I, can, I, I thought I cannot wait to look back on my calendar this year and see that the, <laughs> the worries that I had, God, you took care of them. The worries that I had in 2020, you took care of them. Can I tell you, the worries that I had a year ago, <laughs> He took, God took care of them. I love, I love being able to see that. It's one of the coolest things that I've done. I just, just, if you need some hope in your life, start journaling. And, and, and if you just even want to just do it for a week, 
I promise you will see God. You will see God move in the small things. You'll see that how you took, I just took with this place, just as a church, we just took the next right small step. This place, it didn't happen overnight, but we just kept taking the next right things. We, we did the next right things, and it's like, wow, look and see what God has done. And so can I just challenge you that when you pray and when you seek God, just ask him, what, what's the next right thing for me to do? Because often God asks us to do small things. And I just want to challenge you, don't overlook those small things. Those small things are key. You know, some of us think that, you know, <laughs> it, 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 God, you, could, you couldn't move in something as small as me just joining a small group. God, you couldn't move in something so small as just me uh, sticking around for this real purpose event after church. Oh, God, you, <laughs> I like this one. God, you, you couldn't move by, by, uh, by me doing something so small as just doing the dishes. Can I tell you, he, he, he can just do the small, simple things. And I want you to see that, that we, we can't often see how that simple step that God has put in front of us has anything to do with what God wants to do. We can't, for so many of us, we just can't see how it connects. So because we can't see it in the big picture, we often just don't do it and we get stuck. But sometimes, uh, here, I love this quote. I wrote this quote in my notes. I just want to read it word for word for you. It says this, sometimes when we can't see what's happening at the finish line, we set up a tent at the starting line. When we can't see what's going on at the finish line, we set up a tent at the starting line. It's so true for so many of us and so many of our situations in life. And so many of us were parked, and, and God wants us moving forward, but we just can't figure out how. How? How, Pastor Noah? How do I do it? Well, you take one small step at a time. And can I tell you that when you start moving, guess what? Your hope levels begin to rise. You begin to have some hope. When you're moving forward, you start to see God move and your hope begins to rise. When you move in the small things, you'll look back. And can I tell you, even just over the year that I've journaled like that, I look back and I just say, wow, there's got to be hope. There is hope in my life. There is hope in the situation that I'm going through. All right, you guys got that? All right, good. Here we go. Nobody said anything, so I, I'm just assuming that you got it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, number two is that we need to choose replenishment over Netflix. Choose replenishment over Netflix. It's a, a really important one. Uh, <laughs> you guys are probably like, what in the world does he got against Netflix? I, I don't have anything against Netflix. I love Netflix. I got my Netflix account. In fact, uh, the, uh, the Last Dance finally came out on Netflix, so I finally got to watch it because my TV was stupid and didn't record half of them. So anyway, I, I, I love Netflix. Ne Netflix is great. I don't got anything. I don't got any beef against Netflix. It's great. But I, here's what I'm doing. I, I, I put this on the slide here because I just want to make a comparison between godly replenishment and medicating ourselves with some mindless activities like Netflix. Because whether you know it or not, Netflix is just a mindless activity for you, and it does not grow you spiritually by no means, uh, unfortunately. I wish it did, but it, it doesn't. So why in the world, why Pastor Noah? Why, why, do, why do you bring this up? Well, I bring this up uh, because so many of our uh, so many of us in our life, and especially as, you know, we get back into the swing of things, and the kids are going to uh, start going back to school, and we're going to have some more consistent schedules. Um, for so many of us, here's our rhythm of life. Our rhythm of life right now is just work, 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 and then hopefully one day a week we just crash. Work, 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 crash. 
how we live our life. It's the rhythm. It's like the pace of life. I don't know if you've ever been there before, and maybe on the day that you crash, you're just, you don't get out of bed, you don't brush your teeth, you don't, <laughs> you don't do anything. You just, you're, just, you're just vegging out in bed. And I, hey, I know what it's like. I totally understand what that's like. Maybe you've been uh, pushing so hard that you just feel like you, 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 you've got to collapse. And uh, that's just the rhythm of life for so many of us. In fact, I would just say that that's the rhythm of our world. And I would say that that's the rhythm of our culture. Our culture wants you to just go until you can't go anymore. And then you crash and then you have to do it all over again. That's what culture wants you to do. And I, I just know that some of us, we have to be at a point where maybe you've been doing this for so long that you're starting to feel it. And not only is it starting to wear on you physically, but it's starting to wear on you spiritually as well. It's starting to wear on your soul. Can I tell you that God gives us a different rhythm of life? He lays it out all throughout Scripture. He wants you to run at a different pace, Scripture talks about. He doesn't call you to just push, 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 and then collapse. He wants you the Bible literally talks about, he says, work, rest, work, rest. Can I tell you that God has a pace of grace for you. He has a pace of grace for you. In fact, he shows us this as early as the very first book of Genesis. In the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, God, sh God shows us how he created the world. You know how God created the world? He worked six days, and what happened on the seventh? He rested. Now, think about this. Does God need to rest? Well, no. God doesn't, God doesn't need to rest. He's God. That's, that's, that's who he is. He wasn't, God wasn't tired. He wasn't worn out. He doesn't get tired. He's God. Why does he do it? He shows us a rhythm of life. He shows us how our rhythm of life should be. In fact, not only in Genesis 1, but we see it all throughout the Gospels with Jesus as well. We see that, uh, we see in Mark chapter 6, it talks about that the apostles had gathered all around Jesus, and the apostles are, are just coming back from this great ministry season that they had. They went out, and they, and they were telling Jesus about all the stuff that they had done and taught. And then because so many, so many people were coming and going, that they, 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 the disciples told Jesus that they didn't even have a chance to eat. They were so busy. And they were even doing good. Like, they were busy preaching the word of God, everybody. So they were, they were just, they were doing the good stuff. And here's Jesus' response. I love Jesus' response. He says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that, that I, I, I've got something more for you. I've got, I've got a different pace for you to run at. That you, you can't just go, 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 go and crash. Jesus says, I, I, I've got a place that, that you need to come and you need to replenish. You need to, you, you, you need to go to a quiet place and get some true rest. Not only is it here in this scripture, but we see all throughout the Bible where even Jesus, as the Son of God, he, he, just, he, he doesn't just go and preach all the time, but there's many places all throughout the Gospels that talks about that, that Jesus was preaching, but then he went off to a quiet place and he rested. He took that time to replenish. You know what he did when he rested? I know rest can kind of be like, what, what do you mean by rest? For me, rest is Netflix. No, that's not what he's talking about. By him, what he's talking about by, by resting is he literally went to God in prayer. 
spent some time with God, and he got some true rest. I just wanted to show you that. Not only that, but I just want to show you, because I've been talking about replenishing. Uh, here's a definition that I found this week. I think it's just excellent. Replenishment literally is when your heart shifts towards gratitude and joy increases. When's the last time you've had something like that? When's the last time your heart shifted towards gratitude and your joy increased? For some of us, it's been a long time. You know why? It's because we haven't replenished. We've been, we've been go, 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 crash, go, 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 crash. But God has a different pace for you. And every one of us, we need, uh, we need a rhythm uh, of life that really just replenishes our soul. So what in the world are replenishment activities? I want to give you really some replenishment activities that I think God wants to put in your life. There are certain, can I tell you that there are certain things that you probably already do that can help build your hope and point you to really worship and, and, and gratitude like, like this uh, replenishment talks about. And can I tell you that when you begin to do those activities, you feel better than, you feel, when coming out of those activities, you feel better than when you came in. Can I tell you that there is, this is, uh, there's a difference between just vegging out uh, and there's, there's a difference between that and doing something that uplifts your spirits. Can I tell you that uh, just for me, I'll just give you a practical example. For me, one of the replenishment activities for me is just driving, everyone. Like I have a, I have a 30-minute drive wherever I go because I live in the middle of nowhere in Jacob. So uh, driving is just something that I have to do. And instead of, instead of driving in silence and letting my mind get to me, and because you know that driving sometimes can be really bad, because you've just, you're alone with your thoughts, and that's a scary place to be. But can I tell you, it's something as simple as me just clicking on some worship music, turning on some worship music and just worshiping in the car. Can I tell you, when I do that, it's one of the things that really replenishes me. Can I tell you, when I get to the place I'm going, I feel uplifted. I, I feel like I'm, I'm I, I, I just feel better. I, I, I come away from that situation, that, uh, that, that time, and I'm more hopeful, and I've been uplifted. And it, it, can I just tell you, when I feel hopeless, I like to take a car ride. I like to turn on, I like to turn on the worship music. I just want to ask you, like, what, what, what is an activity that refills you? Can I tell you an activity that doesn't refill me, but it seems like this is kind of like the stereotypical pastor type thing. It seems like all pastors like to golf, right? Um, I haven't golfed at all and don't really have much interest unless it's like top golf or something. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I tell you that I feel like if I went golfing, I would just be more frustrated than, where I came, than when I came. You know, like I, it's, but, but for some people, that's, that's how they... That's how they replenish. That's, that, that's what they do. And can I just tell you that God has put certain activities in your life that replenish you. And it's a part of how God has wired you up. He's given you activities to replenish you. Bible talks about how you're, you're not, uh, how you're, Bible talks about how you're running a marathon, not a sprint. And literally in Hebrews 12, it says, run the race with endurance. You've got to have some endurance in your life so that you can thrive and make it to the end of life. You need a replenishment cycle in your life. So how do I do that? What replenishes me? How do you have this replenishment cycle? I just want you to ask this question this morning. What replenishes you? Think about it. And I just want to give you just a few simple things. You're going to go really quick. 
It's in a little acronym called PIES. So, we're gonna, uh, so it, it all starts with, with it's, it's PIES, so you'll see it in just a minute. But I just want to give you uh, several different things that I think can help replenish you. Here's one thing, is that you need to be replenished physically. This is something that I can work on. But <laughs> it's probably top of my list that I need to work on. But, but we all need to be replenished physically. Maybe for us, it's exercise. Maybe it's just taking a walk at the end of the day. We all need that physical replenishment in our life. For others of us, uh, we struggle. We, we, we need this replenishment uh, intellectually. And here's the thing. Maybe that, maybe for you, that's just, you need to start, you need to read a book. Maybe for you, it's listening to a good podcast. For me, oftentimes, it's just a good conversation with someone. Just having a good conversation that, that pushes me, that moves me forward, that, that, that makes me think about things a little bit more. And so whatever it is, but you, you, you need to be replenished in that way. You also need to be replenished emotionally. That's a big thing. Can I tell you, now that I've been married for a month, I can give you all the marriage advice that I want. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what marriage does. I love it. So let me give you some advice. For me and Emily, to replenish emotionally, we found that it's just quality time together. It's just literally just being together by ourselves. It replenishes us emotionally. Maybe that's a meal together with your family. Maybe it's a meal together with your spouse. Lock your kids in their room. <laughs> Whatever you got to do. Like what? I, I don't know what replenishes you emotionally, but you need to find it. You need to be replenished emotionally. And finally, last but most definitely not least, is this. You need to be replenished spiritually. Maybe for you, that is just getting outdoors. Can I tell you, we've had some really beautiful weather here in southern Illinois. It's really bizarre. The first week of August is 72 degrees outside, but it's awesome. Like, it's been, we've had some beautiful weather. And can I tell you that when it's nice outside, it replenishes me spiritually. I want to be outside, and there's just something about being in God's creation and just, it just, just, man, just in the awe and beauty of his creation that just really spiritually replenishes me. Maybe for you, that's through music. Music is what replenishes you spiritually. Maybe it's journaling for you, whatever it is. You need to be replenished in all of these ways because here's what I know. I know that God wires you up in different ways to be replenished, but you need to know what it is. So I just encourage you, write these things down, but then put a little dash next to it and say, this is what that is. You need to identify these things this week and make them a priority in your life so that you can be replenished because when you learn to be replenished, and so many of us, so many of us, we go from one extreme of working to not actually being replenished and and for so many of us, we just medicate the problem with something called an iPhone or, or some type of device. And we scroll, 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 scroll. And, and, we, and we watch TikTok until 3 a.m. in the morning. That's, that's just what we do. We, 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 that, but that's not replenishment. That's just medicating the problem. Can I tell you, that, that's not something that replenishes you. There's something, there, there's, there's something else that God wants to give you to stir you and to nourish you. And can I tell you, when you find those things, you'll find a rising level of hope. You'll, 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 have, you'll have some more hope in your life. And finally, because I'm not going to keep you all day, I'll give you point number three. It's this. You need to choose worship over worry. Love this one. It's my favorite. Worship over worry. Think about this. Worry is hope's opposite. In fact, I gave you a little subpoint here. Worry is hope in reverse. Worry is hope in reverse. Hope is really, when you think about it, 
and what we've talked about for the last several weeks, hope is how we envision the future. It's how we envision the future. That's where hope lives. In fact, we, we talked about the first week, if you missed it, that hope literally lives in our imagination. It's where, it's where hope comes from. Hope is the dream. It's the picture that you have for tomorrow. Hope is quite literally the vision uh, that you have. In, and hope is inherently imagination-based. And I thought about this this week and did a little research. Did, did you know that it's, it, it's so interesting to me that human beings are the only ones that, could, that have an imagination in all of creation? Think about that. Animals don't dream about the future. <laughs> My dog is not dreaming about a better life right now at home. That's, he's thinking about what's happening right now, that his owner's gone. You know, that, that's all he's thinking about. He's not dreaming about a better future. Animals don't dream about a better future. Can I tell you, it's a the imagination, this hope. It's a gift from God that we can use through our imaginations to envision what God could do in our life. Hope is a gift from God. And can I tell you, worry is the opposite of hope. You know what worry does? Worry uses that same imaginative power that we have. And it, and it takes it and it uses it to, to think about things that could go wrong, that, could, that, 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 that couldn't be right. It, it, it takes that same hope power that you have in your life and it takes it and twists it into you dreaming about how you could get hurt, how you could lose, how you could suffer, how you could get disappointed. Worry is hope's reverse. And I don't know if you've ever had to worry. I, I don't know if you've, ever, if you've ever had just worry crash over you. Like I, feel, I just feel like every time worry comes with me, it just crashes over me like a wave. I kid you not. I mean, I could have the best day ever. And it's just this worry just comes in. And, and it, just, it just crashes. It just crashes in. And that's the interesting distinction about hope and worry. Where, where worry will show up in an unwelcome way. It, just, it, it doesn't knock at the door. It just floods in, everybody. That's what worry does. Hope often, it's different. It doesn't work that way. Hope often just starts small. And so, so what do I do when I find myself discouraged? What do I do when I find myself full of that worry? When I'm, when I'm beaten down and, and broken, and can I tell you, God gave us a weapon of choice, and it's worship. He's given us something called worship, and can I tell you that when we worship, here's what we're literally doing. When we worship, we are choosing to use, that we're, we're literally choosing to activate our imagination, and we're choosing to think, about something other than worry. We're, we're choosing to, to think about something other than the discouraging things that we're going through. When we worship, we're choosing to think about something different than the panic that we're experiencing. We're choosing to think about something different than the fear, the hurt, the pain, the uncertainty that we're going through. We're choosing to use our imagination to think about the goodness of God. We choose to think about his hope, his plan, and his hope for our life. We're choosing to envision the future that God has for us. And so when we find ourselves hopeless, what do we do? We worship. We worship. In fact, I've, 
found a really disturbing thing this week. Read an article from the CDC talking about the coronavirus, but comparing it to suicides and overdoses. Can I tell you there are more people in the United States right now that are dying from suicides and overdoses than the whole coronavirus. Think about that for a minute. Put that in perspective. We've choose to let worry rule our life. And it's took us away from God's purpose. I'm telling you, and it's, it's not just, it's not just, I'm telling you, there are pastors and leaders that are dealing with the same thing. It's sad. That's what worry will do. In fact, I just want to end with a couple verses just mean a lot to me as a pastor. I read them differently now that I'm a pastor. Habakkuk 3.17 says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines. Basically, everything's going to trash. The produce of the olive may fail, and the, and the, and the fields yield no fruit, and the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Habakkuk writes, I love this, he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy. You need to highlight that in your Bible. Take joy in the God of my salvation. I love the end of this verse. Because the whole verse describes this really hopeless situation. That (laughs) things are just junk. There's basically Habakkuk is listing everything to, to be like, there's no hope anymore. There's nothing else that I can do. He's listing this hopeless situation, and yet at the end of all of it, he says, I will take joy. I will take joy. Can I tell you that joy has to be taken? It's not something that comes by accident. You have to choose it. You have to take it. How do we take joy, Pastor Noah? How do we do it? Well, we do that through worship. We do it through setting our mind on who God is and his greatness. And can I tell you that when I'm having a difficult day, and, and when I feel like all hell is breaking loose, I have to choose to worship. Today we're going to end service just a little bit different uh, than we have been. I'm going to invite the worship team to go ahead and join me up here. Today as we end, I just, I quite literally want you to put this into practice. I'm going to invite you wherever you're at, if you're watching online, here in the room with us, I just am going to invite you to worship with us. And choose worship over worry. Here's what I know, is that when you're in a difficult situation, and I've been there before, when, when I've been through a difficult situation, when I start to worship, sometimes it's hard, it's hard to do that. Sometimes the words are hard to say. Because sometimes it's just hard to believe it. Sometimes I don't feel like saying the words at all. But can I tell you that I choose to praise Him. I choose to worship Him. I, I take that joy Why? Because I know that my God is good. And I know that because no no matter what I walk through in my life, no matter what I see in my life, no matter what happens to that situation, no matter that circumstance that I'm going through, I know that at the end of the day, because I trust in Jesus, I win. And can I tell you, church, we win because of that. 
Listen, I've read the end of the book. I know the end of the book. I know what I face today. I, I, I know it doesn't matter because it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't change what's coming. I know that eternal hope that we talked about in this first week. So whatever your diagnosis that you may face in this room today, maybe whatever, whatever, whatever is holding you back online this morning, I know that one day that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, every, that, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can I tell you the knee of sickness and loss and discouragement, it, it, all, it will bow to the glory of God one day. And because of that, I can have hope. And I will take hope. And I will choose worship over worry.